0: What's happening? This is Ryan here. I have a special guest on today. I have Joe Buffone, who is the founder and CEO of Anexus Healthcare. Uh, really, really cool things that that Joe is doing. And we in this episode, we talk about his unique business model. And he took literally two years identifying his monetization strategy before they created the product. And his basically his solution is flying off the shelves as a result of it really, really unique episode. I've never heard of anybody take two years to do that. So you're not going to want to miss these insights. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Joe Buffon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Anexus Health, doing some really interesting things in terms of the intersection of tech and the pharma space, as well as an enterprise platform that they've created. Joe, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be with you. Yeah, I, I you know, you have a like super unique product that I love and and- one of the things that really, really enjoyed about you when we were going through the pre show is just your why for what you're doing so before we get into the revenue rundown, would love to hear why you decided to start this company and then you know a couple sentences about what you do and who you serve
1: yeah, so that's always the best question to start a conversation about something that you're you, you care about right the why the the why is personal and professional so Personally, I, um, my life just like many others, um, uh, people I love were touched by cancer, and so as a primary caregiver or someone that was associated with friends and family dealing with a diagnosis like cancer, um, ultimately I observed at a very young age, and in, in, in I was a young professional, that there just wasn't something there that offered solutions to help patients manage their care, right? And so that that stuck with me through things I experienced with my mother, with my uh, grandfather. And over time in my professional career, I was exposed to things, running access teams, running payer teams, running reimbursement teams in my pharma life, and having relationships with advocacy groups and watching and seeing so many people struggled with administrative and financial toxicities because there wasn't solutions, there weren't solutions available to help them, the patient. And and so that stuck with me over time. And ultimately I gained experience. It was almost like I was just blessed to be given certain opportunities in the space to learn a lot more about the challenges that provider organizations face managing the patient and managing their care journey. So that led me to be inquisitive. That led me to search. That led me to to really do a lot of work trying to figure out how can some of these gaps be met, but in a consolidated, simple way, right? Just like our conversation. You can hear I get a little easy. to. It's easy for me to get distracted and think, oh, my gosh, I got to boil this entire ocean. So really, um, I think those early personal learnings and situations and then add in the blessing of being able to be exposed to some of the things that basically provider organizations are challenged with to offer solutions to help patients get through things that are administratively or logistically or financially based. So that's where the desire or the maybe direction came from.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, there's so many, I mean, healthcare, I don't want to say payments, insurance, it's a bit of a rat's nest when you, when you look at it, you know, just trying to, it's, it's like, it's kind of like the equivalent of when, um, the The brokerage industry, right until I, this changed about Tony Robbins wrote a book about it it what about five years ago and it was because there was like in in some brokerage organizations had like fifteen to or thirteen to fifteen percent fees when people thought they were paying like three to four because they were all hidden in there There's like eight or nine different surcharges uh integrated into buying a mutual fund, right so it's kind of like that is what I, I mean. That's my take on healthcare, right? Obviously, you know it better, but you're not in your head. So I think you're right where there's so many hidden charges and fees like you don't know your butt from a hole in the wall when it comes to trying to get true transparency. So before I go on a rant on that, let's do a real quick revenue rundown. So where is a Nexus Health in terms of the stage of the journey in terms of ARR?
1: So we're going to be um, at right around 17 million for 2023. We were right around 9 million in 2022. We were three million in 2000, around three million in um, 2021, and we have um, projections and feel really good about based on our our business model, our monetization strategy, the size of our network, and how we're growing um, to continue even in an accelerated fashion, our revenue growth over the next couple of years.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, to go from three to 23 in three years is amazing, you know, amazing growth. So real excited to dig into that a little bit later with you Uh, before
1: we do that, like how big is your team? Um, I would love to hear that. Yeah, we're right around 180 right now. And that is, um, Across all different types of functions, right? Okay. Sales, account management, to tech and product and data, data science, um, and so it's a it's a pretty cool diverse team. And we started remote, believe it or not. Um, we weren't forced remote. We started remote um, before COVID, and so we we rep, we're represented in probably close to 30 states across the U.S. Oh wow, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're rocking the nice tan. You look like you're you're by the water. You know, like you you got that going. I actually look kind of tan right now, which I normally at this stage I don't. But I've had a a series of nice weather, so like this is tan for me, right?
1: Um, so you got. I do want to make sure that everyone knows that listens and sees this that I was actually on vacation. I don't want anyone to think that um, being a co-founder in a SaaS. Or a tech enabled services model company is easy and you should expect a tan. Just so happened you caught me at the right time.
0: Oh, no, it is definitely not easy. It is uh it's it's tough sledding, but um, <laughs> so we can you talk through your can you give us like a summary of your solution in like two sentences?
1: Yeah, so what we do right now, our current state is we provide the tools, technology, and services, the people, to manage end-to-end financial assistance and free drug offerings. Okay. Love that. That's what we do right now. Okay. Excellent. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? So we bootstrapped in the beginning, and then we went the funding route. Seed A, we finished a B about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Okay, cool. Why did you decide to go the funding route after bootstrapping? Um, we needed money. <laughs> like, we just needed money
0: well different, like, different people give different answers, right? Like they're just like you know some people are just like we just want to
1: pour gas on the fire, you know like so was it on the so it was it was definitely Ryan part of our plan it, so we we bootstrapped it, and you know you you talk to the market and everybody is you know an expert, everybody. Um, has done it, been there. But, you know, un- until you do your thing, you don't know exactly the route to, to, to go. I think if I had to do it all over again, we probably would have gone out and raised money initially with the idea that we wanted to get certain things done, right? So one through 10 done, and then mapped out our plan for future raises. We just, we bootstrapped it and said, okay, we want to get an MVP to market and then. Think about how fast will our monetization strategy work and then allow that to dictate the raises, right? And so um, to to be honest with you, from the very beginning, we felt like what we were biting off because what I described to you is just our MVP. Um, You know, when we were talking before we started recording, we have much larger aspirations And so those much larger aspirations are dictating how we're building a foundation for a bigger scale. So I I think that to answer your question, we had the plan to begin with to raise money. And we just were told and felt that we needed to do certain things through the bootstrap mechanism to get to the place where we could raise money on good terms. Okay, that makes sense.
0: All right, so let's talk about your growth because you've had amazing growth to go from three and I know you're projecting 23 by the end of this year. So 17. Oh, so 17,
1: 17 23. If I, yeah, if I misspoke, yeah.
0: 17, so I might've been off. Um, That's next year, right? Uh, or 25, I think you said. 17 that. and
1: 23 and then and then we talked about 25. Well, 17 and, 20, and 23, Duh, it's the year. It's not the revenue yeah. number. Yeah. What yeah.
0: the hell am I doing, Ryan? <laughs> it's, it's a little late in the day. I've been on a lot of calls over the last- twenty four hours um which I'm used to, but for some reason it's been like boom, boom boom, so anyways, um, I guess when we're talking about that, yeah, so let's say from zero to seventeen, and basically you know effectively it's gonna be three years, right, so like what and and the question I didn't even ask you before, which is usually one of the things that go through the revenue rundown is like what was your go to market for that, like how did you make that a reality and just walk us through what you did because that's that's a fast pace to go through, especially considering you started at bootstrapping and then you got
1: funding. Yeah, so we are. What we do is basically, as I stated, provide SaaS to provider organizations or pro- provide tech-enabled services, meaning the people to use our tech to manage financial assistance and free drug. So providers pay for that, but that's not the significant portion of our income. We are a transaction model to life science. So all of the access services, the the copay assistance, the free drug, the other hub services, the reimbursement services, ultimately, we build an integration. We charge for that integration. And then we bring those access services from pharma into the workflow of our technology network, our provider organizations. So then they pay a transaction fee. So every time a patient is worked up, there's a search done in our system for a patient in our network. And they're going to go on a drug that is provided by a life science organization we're under contract with. They're paying us a fee. So ultimately, we have a dual, dual sided business model, Ryan. Right. Right. We're we're charging and providing for provider organizations. And then we have a transaction model to life science. I have a tech-enabled services division that ultimately, when we go in and we work with a provider organization, they're working up every single patient in that provider organization to make sure that we're uncovering every stone, turning over every stone for what is available. By doing that, we're assuring ourselves of the appropriate number, optimized number of transactions. So how did we grow? So quickly we penetrated the market and ultimately penetration of the market gives us the ability to charge pharma. Gotcha.
0: So, yeah, I like that. So you got the integration model that basically you're making money on. And then the um, kind of the consumable model as well. I don't want to say consumable model, but the consumption model, but it's attached to the free drugs, right? Um, within there. So Is that accurate? Is that like a good way to confirm it?
1: The hub services, right? So if you think about hub services at Pharma, it's copay assistance. It's sometimes separate, but they call it patient assistance. um, So free drug and then other reimbursement services and things like BVs, benefit verifications and prior authorizations. So it's a service solution to make sure that access to care occurs more easily but the market's so fragmented. Every single manufacturer has their own programs. There's hundreds of portals out there. It's so disparate and fragmented. Ultimately, we've created this technology network where the workflow for all of this is done. So we're bringing them into that workflow and ultimately any transaction that occurs, any search, any workup, that's what we're charging pharma for.
0: Ah, I love it, okay. So that's, how did you come up with that pricing model? Like, I love it. I mean, it makes sense on both sides of it. But like when you were architecting your solution, how did you design it like that?
1: Yeah. So I think I have to just go back to the concept of, you know, those listening that are thinking about, you know, starting a SaaS company or a tech enabled services company. I've come across so many brilliant ideas where the tech probably was maybe the thought was better than ours, sexier than ours but don't, don't take the step until you have a rock solid tested monetization strategy. And I just think that we wanted to solve for the administrative and financial burdens associated with the patient care journey. But before we even started to step out and do that, we really thought long and hard about the monetization strategy. We knew provider providers, there there weren't, we our competition initially out of the box was Post-it notes, fax machines, and spreadsheets. So literally there was a gap there, right? We knew the economics at the provider level weren't there to the degree that we wanted them to be there to say, this is worth giving 10 years of my life up, bleeding all over the floor to do this, right? It was looking at pharma and saying, hey, listen, these these organizations provide life-saving, life-altering medication. They will pay if we can prove three things that we prove every day. We get more patients on therapy where there's an intention to treat. We get them on therapy quicker and we keep them on therapy. So we knew what we wanted to do through serving the provider organizations to benefit patients. And then we just we spent years thinking about the monetization strategy. And we spent probably half that time thinking about how to implement the technology. And maybe people think that's backwards. But I'm telling you, like if the money doesn't flow we're not going to make it right oh yeah i mean that's that's true and i'm just thinking through that
0: So what was your mental model for that? So I know you mentioned your monetization, right? And then the tech to support it, to solve the problem. I guess, like, let's take that a step deeper. Like when you were, because you spent years on it, right? You you obviously probably learned a lot, I would imagine throughout that time. So if, no, you were, if you were to go back and do it all over again, like what are three to five steps that you would take when you're systematically looking at it or building it out?
1: So I don't think we spent enough time We preached it, right? That we got to build everything for scale. Ryan, we didn't do it, right? (laughs) So I think organizational structure and an operational mindset to create scale. We talked about it, but I don't think we invested enough in that. I I would tell you that today, that's the thing that most frequently comes up in conversations I have with my co-founder, Brad Frazier. So I, I think that, you know, I may have overstated the amount of time we spent on our monetization strategy. We spent a ton of time on monetization strategy. We spent a ton of time on the tech and the MVP that we wanted to launch and the global vision of where we want to go. We spent a ton of time working through and testing concepts around the services model. We didn't spend enough time on operational excellence, organizational structure, um, so I, I think those two things probably would have um, created, you know, or create, would have eased the burden to a significant degree. Okay.
0: Well, how do you, so how do you acquire customers now? What's your main method of customer acquisition?
1: So we build really strong strategic alliances. So we have we have strategic alliances with large healthcare organizations, large group purchasing organizations, large um, providers of services to institutions and health systems. So I would say collaboration with strategic partners is probably number one. Number two is referral now, right? Because we're doing such a good job. Our value prop at the end of the day is pretty strong for providers. I basically make them a lot more money from a payer that financial assistance should be considered than they were before, and I typically, if somebody's invested in trying to figure out a way to software it and manage it, we'll do it for at a reduced cost. So word of mouth is big. I think the next biggest thing is us participating in industry meetings, us having opportunities to to speak and discuss really important topics like equities of care and interoperability and giving. the ability not to do a commercial, but to discuss around the fringes, the things that we do and then generate conversations and then get into um, ultimately the the opportunity to um, serve the markets. From a life science perspective, that really, I think, comes from our background. We've got a strong background, strong relationships in the life science space. And now we have a technology network that wields huge influence, Right, So if we've got large chunks of markets in oncology and urology and retina and GI, so we're in 14 different disease states right now, our provider network pressures life science to say, listen, if you want to do right by patients, you need to help us within our workflow, within the way we actually care for patients. And so I think those are the main ways. I think we can get better around that, Ryan. I think that ultimately I'd love my our, our marketing folks, our sales folks, you know, hear from me all the time. You know, tell me some things you're doing to be a little bit more gorilla about how we bring businesses. So I, I think that we're learning and growing there too. Well
0: you do it. I mean you're doing something right. Uh <laughs> but yeah, you there's always room for an opportunity to to grow faster and bigger. I guess like so I so basically just to to replay that back, it sounds like more like that that partner model. Um, word of mouth, have you
1: systemized referrals at all or no? What are they just coming So we, we, we did. So our our um, Kim, Tim Koenig, um, our, our person that heads up marketing and marketing his team, uh, You know, we've invested money in making sure that we're doing a good job of processing referrals. We're doing, I think, a better job of um, using the traffic to our website Ooh. to generate referrals. So um, in terms of being sophisticated and having a scalable approach, maybe to to the things that you do, right? Probably not. So that's why it's going to be cool for us to have a conversation at, a, at another time. Yeah,
0: probably. man, definitely. I mean, it, like, I don't know. It, I, I like a lot of what, what you're doing, right? With the partner, the referral focused, and then the industry, like niche expertise, meeting, speaking, um, I've called it event-led growth before where at that stage, really like, and it sounds like maybe you're doing this, but you align at the board level of those industry associations, get them as customers. And then that's very easy to fuel that out to the rest of the, the association or group that they're in, right? Because to be on the board, I was literally just talking to a founder about, or VP at Growth yesterday about this. I'm like, for someone to get on the board, they have to have massive influence to do that, right? So if you get them, that's that's like, it's fast flowing. Right. Um, and then I love that you, you got your tech network to or your network to push or press if they're not being done right. So like that's that's a virtuous cycle or flywheel. I think that would just the bigger that you get, the more power that that creates for you and, and your customers, you know. absolutely. So 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 Joe, what would you say is like the single biggest challenge you have with growing the company right now?
1: So I, I hate to overdo, um, you know, what I said that if we had the redo, it's 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 operational excellence that gives us the ability to make sure that we are as productive as we can be as a company and individuals within our company. Um, we we actually next week we have uh, a, a head of operations starting, um, so. We haven't had a true head of operations since the very beginning, like not running corporate operations, generally speaking, or implementations and delivery, implementation and delivery. That's been stuff that has been the responsibility of us as as co-founders. So I think that that gets back to this organizational structure thing, operational excellence. I think that is the, the most important thing that we need to do right now. And I think the other thing is, Ryan, we are a tech company. We are a company that is creating an incredible product that we have an opportunity to grow this product, to do a lot more, but we find ourselves often being a feature and fix company. Mm. So that's the thing that Brad and I, my co-founder, want to be much better at, really Better as a product company and understanding that features and fixes will be part of what we do, but it shouldn't be the primary part of what we do. It should be creating this product and growing this product exponentially. Um, So those are the two things.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because like I had Chris Savage from Wistia. Have you ever heard of him at all before? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't know him. Oh, you don't know him. You heard. Okay, so I had him on late last year, which is funny. He's the one that turned me on to AI in November. He's like, "Hey, have you ever heard of Dolly?" <laughs> so that funny. that's what got me on it. But anyways, something really cool that he said on his episode that that stuck with me is he said, "Right." He goes, "I." It is so funny because it's a little deja vu, right, of what you're saying. He's like, "Yeah." When I was at the 15 million mark, right around there, he's like, "One of the things that." Like I was, we we had so many operational challenges that took years to unwind and then course correct. And then he's like, one of the biggest benefits that we had once we kind of got past that is he's like, I now have the ability to focus two years out. My VP's focus one year out, and then my directors focus on executing this year. And I'm like, you know, that's a really good way to to put it in terms of approaching it. So it sounds like that's kind of the direction you're heading in right now, right? Trying, trying, Ryan, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're just about up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about a Nexus health?
1: In NexusHealth.com. I feel pretty good about the work that we've done on their website. And most importantly, there's a contact, contact us section that um, I think that if you want to find out more about us, you'll really enjoy the teams that will reach out to you and, and, and provide you some information. And then hopefully we get to work together with if you're a provider organization, a life science organization, specialty pharmacy. So give us a shout or hit us up on nexushealth.com. Excellent, man. Well, thanks for being on the show,
0: Joe. This was a lot of fun. I love your passion. I love your enthusiasm. I love your candor too, man. You're just like, dude, I wish we did this. I mean, you didn't say it that way, but it, I, I like that authenticity because a lot of people don't have that, you know? So thanks for being on, man. Thanks, Ryan. All right. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering